Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I am Jillian Landis, and I'm Marie Wallace, and we are your hosts today. Hello everyone and welcome to Braveheart Conversations. This is Jillian Landis and I'm here today with Marie Wallace. Good morning. And today we are going to be talking about how to experience trauma and then move forward and put your life back together. How mm -hmm. does that look? What does that process feel like? And, um, and how can we come to some semblance of a normal life after mm -hmm. experiencing trauma? So I think I'm going to start off this episode by sharing my own experience with trauma and what that recovery process has felt like for me. So I'm going to share something that I wrote a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> trauma is such a funny thing. As soon as you think you're through it, it's just getting started. I have gained so much momentum this year. I feel powerful. I feel centered. I feel grounded. I have kicked some serious ass and I've owned this last year. And sometimes emotions hit me out of nowhere. Memories flood in. Pain and fear and betrayal are vivid. I recently intentionally sought out literature and resources, both empowering me and informing me, as well as triggering me and opening deep wounds. It's given me a strange mix of emotions. I feel passionate. So many things are more clear than they've ever been. And I feel sad for the girl in me who got hurt. Part of me wants to shove it down, deny it. I tell myself I'm stronger than that. I just want it to be over. I mean, it's been over a year since I've been out of that environment. So why would I feel it now? But as the numbness wears off, I realized the powerful strength of denial and minimizing and justifying that kept me safe. Sometimes, I just wish I was able to leave it alone, to stop revisiting, to stop being curious, to stop researching and trying to understand. But it's how I am built. I just don't walk away from shit. So, as I am uncovering these wounds and exploring my insides, I feel raw. The most bizarre things bother me and bring floods of tears. I realize there are wounds I cannot just pretend are healed. I want to push away and sabotage when I feel scared. Overreaction seems normal and reasonable sometimes. I realize I find an overwhelming amount of comfort in controlling my home and surroundings. Normal consumption of alcohol around me is grating and triggering and scary. Receiving happiness and love feels unsafe. Sometimes I feel like a child who is breaking the rules and is going to get in trouble. Listening to the girl in old audio clips and journal entries is tough. I struggle to love her when she betrayed herself without a fight. Sometimes I'm afraid of her. It's hard to realize my sensitivity impacts other people. It's difficult to find a place of grace in my heart for my messy wounds. It's challenging to allow my current sensitivities to be my normal. Even if it takes time to heal, even if it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable to let myself honor what I need, even when it feels ridiculous. 
I realize this journey of healing requires me to acknowledge all the sides of me. I am a badass warrior. I am incredibly strong and independent and motivated and driven. And I am a fragile, sensitive creature who crumbles and cries and doubts everything. So I will adjust my crown like the queen I am, fragile and strong, sensitive and dangerous, goddess and warrior. So for me, that's been my traumatic journey so far. Um, and sometimes you really think that you've done a lot of healing, but like there was a lot of rebuilding that needed to be done in my, in my life. Um, the last year, I mean, there's so much survival things that need to be addressed at the beginning. You know, where am I going to live? <laughs> um, <laughs> how am I going to pay the bills? Like those are the initial things you think about, not sometimes it's how am I going to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. How am I going to, how am I going to adjust to this new normal? How am I, yeah. How am I going to function throughout my day? For some people it's how am I going to take care of my kids? Mm. And I'm right away learning how to battle again with this person over my kids. You know, sometimes that isn't a clean break. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of um, survival that happens in the beginning and trauma doesn't get to be addressed until you have a stable living situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though I thought, oh, I'm good. I've rebuilt everything. My life is great. No, that's the moment it hits you. That's, <laughs> that's the moment your body goes, oh, good. <laughs> now We're we can take care of this. <laughs> now. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, it's interesting some of the things that become triggering. You know, over the holidays, it kind of hit me out of nowhere. There's a lot of alcohol com consumption. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Um, and and my brain goes, it's okay, Jill. Like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> you know, people can have a glass of wine. And who cares if, if people drink a little bit? It's not a big deal. Right. But my heart goes this is really scary and this mm -hmm. sucks and I just want to cry. And, and the what ifs and yeah. Yeah. And I get to honor that and I get to say, you know, maybe I just don't want to be around this particular situation or I don't want alcohol in my house or I don't want, you know, I get to allow myself to have those things. Um, and I don't, I don't get to allow my brain to beat me up mm -hmm. for the things that I think should be normal and aren't normal right now. What's well, just giving it time to ruminate about what's important to you and how weighing out the decisions with both your head and your heart because you need both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we try to force ourselves into being quote unquote normal mm -hmm. and um, that may happen. I don't think that alcohol is going to be triggering to me forever, but mm -hmm. it's okay like I can give myself permission for it to be triggering now. Exactly. Um, so I think that like trauma is very important to just respect your process and not judge yourself and beat yourself up for whatever surfaces. Mm -hmm. That's part of the journey. It's grace and compassion that we would normally give other people in the same situation. And sometimes we just don't give ourselves that permission. Right. Well, and I think that's an important point to bring up as well is, um, <clears throat> there may be people in your life who don't honor those needs and may minimize and downplay. Mm -hmm. Like, 
what's your problem? Like, that's that's silly. You know, you should be over that by now. It's old news, yeah. Um, there are definitely those people. And so this is where you get to, you get to determine what your boundaries are. For me, like, I have the right to having people who honor my safety. Mm-hmm. That's a boundary for me. And so that means I don't allow people in my space who minimize my trauma. <clears throat> they, they honor that process. So, um, or judge how you process, judge in, in the first place of, of how you process, because the way you process it may be different than the way they do. So being honoring to you, like she has to deal with it in in whatever manner, um, works for her and, and whatever manner she needs, because some people may choose not to look at things. Right. I mean, some people may choose that they've processed it to this far and that's good enough for them and and they're on a different journey than you are and I think honoring that each person goes about grief in their own way is a really important part too and and being willing to um, fight for your way Mm -hmm. so back to the boundary part you know the way I do it is the way I do it and I don't going back to your unapologetic too yep yeah the way I do it is the way I do it and you know and I know for me, a big part of relationship trauma that I experienced was the self-betrayal was a big mm. piece of that. And so um, <clears throat> moving through the trauma process of recovery is another is another um, opportunity for me to be there for myself, to have mm. my own back and to not betray what I need. So if it's a silly thing like, no, you can't bring alcohol to my house. Yeah. Um, I get to do that. I get to have my back in that way. If it's, um, if it's, you know, certain ways of communication that are triggering to me, I I get to have my back and I get to say, you know, even if my brain is judging, you know, saying this is silly, Mm -hmm. I still get to say, no, like this is how you're feeling. And I get to honor that and, Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Well, you're stating what you need and you're giving rules of engagement with yourself, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is what I need right now. And these are the, the rules I need to engage in, in this process. If yes. you're going to be in a relationship with me, it's just really important. Yeah. And sometimes going back to our old selfish conversations, people will think that's selfish and they can think what they want. Yep. It's still something I personally need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I also think it's important to talk about the stages of grief. Yes. When we're talking about trauma, um, it's, it's a really similar process to, you know, losing someone, whether it's by death or divorce or some sort of loss, it's still loss. Losing it's still your job. Grief. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just want to briefly go through those five stages you know, at the beginning, there's a denial, which I think goes in, goes hand in hand with that survival mode. There's mm-hmm. stuff that has to be done immediately in most types mm-hmm. of grief. You know, if you lose someone to death, if you lose someone to divorce, whatever the uh, reason is, there's a whole lot of shuffling around that needs to happen. But it's also, um, denial is also a result of being in shock. Yes. And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough time to to feel that shock and let it just reverberate out. And um, 
you know, just like real shocks is you feel it and let it, yeah. let it reverberate out of you. And, um, denial is that part yeah. that absorbs. This doesn't feel real. Mm-mm. Doesn't feel real. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just processing and integrating this truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not there yet, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the next phase is anger. Once you realize this is real, stinking <laughs> you know, this is real, and now I'm pissed about it. Um, and this is generally where you have those blaming feelings that come mm-hmm. up. Why did he have to do that? Why did he have to be that way? If he wasn't, then we'd still be together and this would still be okay or whatever. Or shaming for your decisions that you made. Yeah, yeah, totally. could be angry at yourself. Um, You could take on blame. Um, Yes, you feel all those angry feelings. Why did I let this happen? (laughs) I also think it's important um, for me. Journaling was a huge part of the Mm -hmm. process. And I allowed myself to be angry in my journal. And it was very just raw and unfiltered and Mm -hmm. everything I knew I wasn't supposed to say. Yes. (laughs) And um, Swear like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're worried about someone reading it, burn it. (laughs) Well, and you know, for me as a coach, you know, there are certain ways that it's like, well, I know that I get to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for my actions and blah, blah, blah. And there was a time and a place in my journal where I got to... Get all my blah, all my blame, all my um, stuff out that I knew were all the things I wasn't supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And often, like, because of putting that on paper, you can get yourself to the point where you walk yourself through responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of this sucks, and I feel like a victim here, and I'm blaming, and then I'm going to choose the next thing well you're also acknowledging your humanness that you have these emotions mm-hmm. stuffing them down is not going to make them nope. not real because <laughs> really they're still it. very real and they're still want to be acknowledged and that's all you have to do is acknowledge it and then you can move through but sometimes when we're in grief we're going well i'm not supposed to feel that way i'm not yeah. supposed to feel anger and and actually that's come up for me a lot in this last month is I'm you know good girls don't get angry good good girls Mm -hmm. would know how to handle that well okay journaling is a way to do it um but if I'm still suppressing while I'm journaling because I've done that before too where I'm journaling and I'm so afraid that someone's going to see it or read it and see me swear or see me you know Mm -hmm. icky and gross and um and then I it it doesn't get resolved. And so it's really okay for you to get as ugly as you need to. It doesn't mean that's who you are. Right. It's just a feeling that you have. And um, fortunately, those feelings go in waves and, and, you know, don't show up as often. So if you are afraid of someone seeing or reading, write it anyway. Yes. I, and and burn the journal, find a safe, <laughs> what, whatever works for you, but get it, find ways to get it out because it is okay to be angry. And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission for that. Yeah, and actually, um, I have kept all of my journal entries and it's been really enlightening to, you know, I know on my anniversary or, or the anniversary that would have been, um, I looked back at my entry the year before and and um, it, it is very healing to see the stark contrast of where you were and where you are. Um, it can also be 
really um, a great part of this grief process because you do um, change so mm-hmm. much that you can look back at where you were and say, wow, that was a crazy empowering situation. Empowering too. It's very empowering. So burn it if you need to, but there is value in going back and regain yeah. where you were at. There's so much power. I, I, I didn't burn mine, but I, I agree. Some people need to, yeah. Yeah, if you're in a, a, a situation that, that's, you know, harmful. But it is. It's a beautiful journey to go back because after time you think, well, I've only come this far and you think that you haven't grown enough and you haven't uh, stretched enough. And when you go back and you read it and you go, wow, I didn't give myself enough credit because I was way back here and yeah, I handled things differently and now I'm yeah. Yeah, awesome. The, the next phase is bargaining. Which, you know, it's kind of a funny phase because this is where God, yeah, we're (laughs) pleading for something to be different. We don't like this, and what do we need to do to make it the way we want it? Um, (laughs) We're just really um, in this resistance phase to what is, (laughs) and um, you know, I think this cycle happened for me many times actually within the relationship before it was ended as I was struggling to you know be in that trauma mm-hmm. um, where I would beg and plead and bargain for um, for love for you know don't you know not drinking anymore mm-hmm. and the things that were creating unsafety um, in my home those were the things that I tried to bargain out of well and because the alternative being out of the relationship sometimes is scarier because it's unknown yeah so we bargain to stay in that relationship because it's so scary to be yeah in that other spot yes mm-hmm. so um, but that's a normal part of that phase mm-hmm. um, depression mm-hmm. uh, that's when we really start to realize this is not going to change um, but you're, you're kind of still sitting in it. I don't like this and I can't change it. And this is, it just sucks. Yeah. And so you might experience a slump. Um, and then acceptance is that last phase. And I feel like these are pretty close together. The acceptance is really, you know, the depression you're in acceptance, but you don't want it to be that way. Yeah. In acceptance, I think the distinction is. You realize it's not going to change. It's reality. And it's not so bad. Or now what? Now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because there was definitely a phase for me where that flipped. And it was like, this really isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another flip for me where it's like, oh, this is actually much better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And and these, um, I want to go over the part that... It doesn't always go in this cycle. It can weave in and out of different stages. Um, it, it's not always in that exact order because you can, you'll, re, because relationships are layered and feelings and emotions are layered and you can maybe weave back, back and forth in a few places until you do resolve it and get to that acceptance phase. So just know, yeah, you'll, you'll, Feel that moment of acceptance on some part and then you reopen a wound and you have to, you know, start over again. But it may not go in that order. I know that I've gone into grief 
Um, and we talked about this earlier when my dad died. Um, it really shocked me. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm in, I'm doing pretty okay because I kind of had an idea that it was coming. And then um, I walk in his trailer and see a peppermint that reminded me of him. And I just bawled. I started bawling out of nowhere. And, That's you know, trauma. so you'll be surprised sometimes where those feelings come from. And, and not to judge yourself because, I mean, sometimes people will say you're wimpy or um, why haven't you gotten over that and why is this bothering you now? You knew it was coming. or It, it just never is easy. And each person will handle it different. Yeah, so I think being gracious with yourself as those triggers come up mm -hmm. is really important and um, allowing them to be... Um, Surrounding yourself with people mm -hmm. who are also sensitive to your triggers is important. However, I think it's important to bring up um, right now as well. We continue to take ownership of our own healing. Exactly. So what can be really easy to do is if I tell Marie that I have a trigger and my trigger is... Um, people drinking, people around. drinking. Okay. So, but Marie has a glass of wine once a week. That's part of her routine and she's done that forever and it doesn't, it doesn't bother her at all. It's healthy and she's, mm -hmm. yeah, hasn't created any problems for me to tell Marie, how dare you drink because of my trigger. This <laughs> triggers me. Yeah. I am then making Marie responsible for my healing. I'm responsible to heal my triggers. So, and I think that there, there's a lot of times where I've either experienced someone else um, placing their healing on me, or um, I can identify times in the past where I've done that to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair. Very unfair. That is unfair. And it's, it's not, it's not right. I do get to set boundaries where I can say, I don't want that in my home. Mm -hmm. Marie, go, feel free to go drink a glass of wine, but I don't want that in my space. Mm -hmm. I can also set the boundary, I don't want substances in my intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. That can be a boundary for me because this is what I'm choosing. Mm -hmm. um, I get to uphold that boundary, right? That doesn't mean I get to tell someone, you can't ever drink or you can't ever you know, do some lifestyle choice that you've... It's unrealistic. Yeah, but I get to decide if I want that in my space. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between setting a boundary and making somebody else responsible for my healing. So I just want everyone to hear that difference because I think that that happens a lot. And I also think that even though we've made some great strides in understanding trauma and mental health, um, it was intended to be empowering. You know, we know what the problem is so we can heal it. Sure. It becomes disempowering when we get to the point where we um, we say, because I have this trauma, mm -hmm. I can't blah, blah, blah. Because I have this mental illness, I can't blah, blah, blah. Well, it puts blah. you back in the victim's arena it does. again. Mm -hmm. So we're using it to actually disempower ourselves instead of empowering ourselves. So Because it's hard to look at it that way it's super hard and to also realize triggers aren't bad no so when something comes up as a trigger for me i get to look at why i get to um 
start to heal that wound, um, triggers aren't necessarily to be avoided. There are indicators that something's up. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So just like any feeling, like I always talk about resentment. That's a big oh, one yeah. I hear about. Um, so when people tell me that they're resentful, I often will hear people say, I need to clear the resentment and be happier. <laughs> right? They just want to shift into something else. Where I have learned, for me, honoring resentment is really important. Mm -hmm. So resentment doesn't just show up for no reason. It shows up because I'm out of alignment with a boundary. Mm -hmm. That internally, I feel that I... Like a basic right of mine has been violated. Someone's taking advantage of me or I'm I'm out of alignment because I'm letting I'm allowing somebody, something. Yeah. yeah, I'm allowing something to happen that is not in alignment with me and my boundaries. So resentment is a gift. Resentment is simply mm -hmm. telling me where I get to honor a boundary, where I get to enforce a boundary, or I get to speak a boundary. Um instead of I just need to cha <clears throat> change the feeling. And I think trauma can be the same way when we have triggers come up. Those triggers can just be indicators for us. You know, how, how do I need to govern my life differently? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Instead of making them bad and wrong and something that we just need to avoid. Um, our body and our minds and our spirits naturally crave and gravitate towards healing. Mm -hmm. So all of the feelings that are coming up, all of the experiences that you're having, like none of them are by accident. They're all intentional for your healing, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Um, so although I really, I love that we've explored so much in mental health over my lifetime, Yes, I think it's amazing. It is amazing. I think sometimes we've we have lost sight of what the intention is, mm -hmm. which is empowerment. I know that I have these particular struggles, therefore it empowers me to heal. Instead of I have these particular traumas or problems or symptoms and therefore that means I can't. I'm succeed. using it as an excuse. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's never meant to be an excuse. No. It's meant to be something as a tool for healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the piece where it's used against people as, um, you know, it, it doesn't serve us well is... Not only, you know, I can disempower myself by saying I have this diagnosis or sure. I have this problem, so then I can't. Um, I think I've seen mental health professionals also do that to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this problem, so therefore you can't. Or you'll never have. Or... And people accept that as truth and valid and the only truth, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think those are all really important pieces to talk about in um, recovering from trauma. Don't, don't use it against yourself. Mm -hmm. You hold the pen. Mm -hmm. Even if you are victimized, you hold the pen in your life to write the end of that story. Mm -hmm. You get to move forward. Or rewrite that story, too. Mm -hmm. it's, 
it's vi it's vital for you to do that to to rewrite the ending or to give it a new ending mm -hmm. and usually the things that we have that have traumatized us end up being ways that we can serve others and help others too because i've seen that happen time and time again where people take something that that happened to them and they're able to heal and help others when they get get past it so it, that's a stage as well if you're a, a mm -hmm. servant leader just know that that you can sh lead the way for some people to see a way out because you've been brave enough and courageous enough to get yourself through it and you can see things that yeah. others can't see and who's to say that maybe mental health or traumatic PTSD and those things aren't ways to elevate ourselves quicker mm -hmm. like you know maybe because it's in our faces a little bit more we could we get to see it more it we can't hide it or suppress it or push it down. The awareness it comes, is the is awareness there, yeah. is way higher, mm -hmm. and so maybe it, it, your path could be more accelerated. I love um, talking about trauma in like that recovery phase where you are writing and telling your story, um, whether you're speaking or you're just sharing one on one. You're helping somebody else through it. You're writing. Um, I think sharing your story is incredibly healing, not just for you, but for other people, because just like the Me Too movement, nobody mm -hmm. knew, nobody knew how mm -hmm. many people were affected until that started. And then it was overwhelming. Like, and they felt alone in that. You're not alone in feeling your trauma. Right. And the more that you feel that you are empowered by your story, you're empowering others to speak up as well. Absolutely. Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more you share, the more you realize you're not in isolation. And you bring other people out of isolation too because so many people think they are isolated. Um, so many people think that they're alone. It also diffuses the power of the story over you. It does, and I think it diffuses the power of the individual. If you, if your trauma mm. is that way, um, you know, for me, by telling my story, that was so scary, especially at the beginning, because it's hard to um, overcome that really false sense of power that that person had over you. Mm -hmm. And um, so, by telling your story, you kind of fly in the face of that. And everybody has these nightmare stories of what they think is going to happen. Uh -huh. And um, and there are the cases where people do mm -hmm. um, put themselves in danger. And, um, you know, there are always those awful horror stories. But more often than not, um, you know, those people that we thought were super powerful and bullies have <laughs> far less power and are way more, you know, they have... More bark to their bite. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> when push comes to shove, they're really small. <gasps> yeah, they have really loud, big voices and not a whole lot to back it up. And and so sort of reminds me of pit bulls. You know how they <laughs> look so big and scary, and they're really sweethearts. Uh -huh. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> That's are not a babies. good metaphor, but it's still like that. It's somehow it's bigger and scarier because we've made it that way, especially if we've heard that story or repeated that story in our mind over and over again, it can be, it can be a great, 
a big thing to overcome because yeah. you've told that story to yourself so many times. It does seem overwhelming mm-hmm. and true. It yeah. seems so true. Yeah. So to have those fears, to have them, and then it's not about getting rid of the fear. It's about Mm-mm. doing it anyway, facing it anyway. That's exactly. where the courage comes in. And then after the fact, after facing it, when those fears seem so vivid, mm-hmm. that's when you really feel the empowerment that exactly. happens after. Because you did it anyway. It's not ever waiting for that fear to just pass. That The fear won't pass. Nope. <laughs> not until you face it. When you face it, then you have some chance of dispelling that fear and integrating it. And you'll be quite surprised that, um, yeah, the thing that you feared was really an illusion. And, um, yeah, it, it's just so nice to dispel those. And you're like, oh, that wasn't as near as bad as I thought. Right. Because it made it so big in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very empowering thing. So you can let it cripple you or you can let it build you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I feel like we've... we have talked Mm -hmm. about a lot of different elements of trauma and that healing. Um, Really great. And the biggest takeaway is, yeah, face your fear. Mm -hmm. Go through the stages and know that it's okay. It's really okay for you to feel all the things that you're feeling and not allowing others to tell you how you could or should feel. Um, I think that's an important takeaway as well. Just honoring yourself in the process of all that you're going through. And it doesn't look any certain way. There's no real path. I mean, no real short, no shortcuts at all. And, and be graceful and compassionate towards yourself because trauma does take a long time to process and get through Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, yeah. So just the allowance of letting it come up whenever it comes up and being okay with that. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about your experiences with trauma and um, what has worked for you, um, maybe what hasn't worked for you, um, whatever whatever your experience has been with relationship trauma and letting go and moving forward. Um, I'd love to hear more from you. And also know that this came up because someone asked us some questions. So know that your your questions, your stories are all valid and important. So if you have some questions, yeah. make sure you ask because it, it's beneficial to everyone. So true. Yeah. So if you have clarifying questions about this, mm-hmm. please For send reals. them in. Um, if you have a question about something else, yeah, we are listening. We are definitely listening. Um, so we will be here again next week. We're here every Thursday and we just love having these conversations. Mm -hmm. It always is um, a highlight of my week. Mine too. And, um, so with that, I hope that you all, Oh, I did not give you any contact information. If you want to ask us any questions. (laughs) Yeah. Let um, us tell them that. (laughs) The way that you can do that is you can email me at defytheaverage at gmail.com or you can email Marie at mariesgold.com. Marie at mariesgold.com. And um, with that, I will close up and we will see you again next week or I suppose you'll hear us again next week. For real? (laughs) Maybe one of these days you'll see us. (laughs) Yes. We enjoy this. Have a great week. Yeah. Bye-bye, guys.